Hello and welcome everyone to We'll Be Right Back, the future of hospitality. On We'll Be Right Back, we interview people from every corner of the service and hospitality industry, as well as representatives from organizations providing relief and resources as we learn how to manage and settle into this new reality after COVID-19. I am your host, Greg Tilton. I am joined today by Teray Folks, Executive Director of Turning Tables, Community Organizer, and of course, most importantly, a local bartender. Teray, please tell us a bit about yourself. Tell us about the organizations you're with. You are just so active, man. I'm so excited to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be on as well. So as you said, uh, my name is Teray. I am a New York native that moved here about four years ago. I started volunteering with a great organization that you may or may not know of called Liberty's Kitchen. Liberty's Kitchen's goal is learn, grow, lead. They provide services as like you know as far and wide as career services, kind of hooking people up with resources for healthcare, you know, transportation, and then also through a job placement kind of activities called YDP, which is their youth development program. Over a period of weeks, people end up in an internship at the end of it and are kind of uh, set up for success to enter the, the job market, usually generally in the front of the house or back of the house in restaurants. So that's kind of how I got involved with them. And as a result, I uh, consulted with them to apply for a grant through Tales of the Cocktail. And we were successful in getting a grant and started an organization called Turning Tables, which similar in its goals to Liberty's Kitchen, the goal is all about equity. So we're trying to create a model for equitable access to career pathways. In doing so, we're advocating for diversity, visibility, inclusivity through every fabric of what we do. So we kind of try to bring as many people in the industry as possible and expose them to as many different industry people as possible and provide the young people that like, you know, this year there were seven or eight and provide them with job skills in a bar setting. So they're learning how to bartend in a bar um, they're also, you know, once a week going to internships where they're um, reinforcing those skills and they have a mentor through this whole process. So they have someone that's, you know, kind of, you know, helping guide them through it and, and amongst, you know, the mentors they probably have at working alongside people during their day of internship. In addition, you know, people, I can't think of anybody that hasn't come across this group this past year that isn't like kind of in love with them and always asking about them. So, you know, they adapt like a family throughout the industry, whether it be brand ambassadors or um, other bartenders in the industry. The love and support we got was a little bit unbelievable and overwhelming. It was it was great. Now, I got to ask, and this is probably a really stupid question, but as a mediocre <laughs> former DJ, is turning tables in any way a reference to turntables? <laughs> I do like vinyl, and so I'm terrible with names. Like when I have to name cocktails, <laughs> like I have to name cocktails, I like it's like my like the band of my existence. I'll come up with a delicious cocktail, and they're like, "Yo, Tere, you have to come up with a name for it." And I'm like, "Uh, turning tables was something." Um, Harry Schneider, the former chief development officer, or at um, it was because he's no longer with them. He and I are buddies. This was kind of our brainchild. We kind of sat over like multiple drinks and uh, kind of thought of like something like this. It was his name that he came up with. Turning Tables was kind of like a name that fit perfectly. So win-win that I didn't have to come up with a name because I don't know what I would have called it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, man. Well, so now that we know a little bit more about Turning Tables, I think this episode we talked a lot about was wanting to cover how nonprofits, how people who are being serviced by these nonprofits are affected by COVID-19. So could you talk to me a little bit about, you know, the fact that, 
Turning Tables is a pretty new organization. And mm-hmm. you've gotten off the ground. You seem to be having some good success now. And then suddenly it's all kind of <laughs> not blown up by, but heavily impacted by the recent COVID-19 outbreak. Could you tell me a little bit about the time leading up to the shelter in place orders, how y'all reacted to that and how you're kind of navigating that currently? So leading up to the shelter in place order, I mean, there was like some highs and lows. Uh, like I said, we got the grant from Tales of the Cocktail last year and we were a finalist this year. So there was like a number of positive momentum going in the direction that you know, possibly we might get it again. But also a lot of people approached us to help make this a sustainable model. You know, thinking of things from helping us to like get a um, kind of like an events initiative in place so that we can bring some revenue stream in and thinking of ways that we can partner with people and liquor brands and sponsorships so that a year from now, instead of looking towards the grant, we could be self-sustainable and, you know, at the least just have fundraising for like things that we need here and there. So there was a lot of building around that. And then although there was 100% placement at the end of the course, there were still some people that either didn't like their placement or were still looking for like the right fit and had some interviews lined up. So like I said, positive momentum, positive momentum. And then COVID hit. First thing I thought of, you know, these were like my children. Like I, like I mourn them like a, like a parent is like sending their kids to college when as soon as they were done with turning tables and looked for any opportunity to just um, be in their lives. So first thing I did was just like when we were in class, just kind of just reach out to them in a thread format for the purpose of just making sure that each person is checking in on each other, that we all have each other's information, that they're all receiving the same information. Bear in mind, like being a parent, like, you know, they ignore any kind of things that you send, email, text. So I have to call them <laughs> a lot <laughs> and just be like, hey, did you get that text I sent you about unemployment or about that grant resource or, you know, how are you dealing with food? So at first it was kind of, um, I was like smartly tapping into these free meals that existed and, you know, where I needed to, I would buy groceries for people, but mostly just like making sure if someone was hungry, I would bring them food. And there's a lot of great initiatives out there besides the one that I work for, or the one I volunteer for now, Greater New Orleans Caring Collective, there's mutual aid, there's like a number of cultural aid, I think. There's a number of initiatives that are out there, No Hunger NOLA, that like right off the bat, were just making sure people that needed food got food. And I was pretty well tapped into those resources. And then next is helping people navigate unemployment. It's like tough enough most people are frustrated that our service industry and having to get like their unemployment. Um, a lot of people have problems with the system. So making sure that they can navigate it as well and making sure that they're like, at least have the information and they're set up to apply for any grants and helping them navigate in areas where I can. Cause you know, um, a lot of these opportunities are on the computer. So in some instances I might have to help navigate on my own computer while I sit with a, a person on the phone. But everyone in turning tables is pretty squared, except the food um, and security thing, which Top Box and Liberty's Kitchen are in partnership with uh, Crescent City Farmers. And uh, we're able to provide people with a box once a week through a $25 a week donation, which is great. And I fill in the gaps if necessary. I think my biggest thing now is just like providing them with the resources like that they know, like, you know, um, call your bill collectors and let them know what the situation is, you know, so that you don't have any kind of interest or make sure that you know that like your landlord can evict you right now, but like at the end of this, you might have to pay. Make sure you know that also like, you know, you're 
light bill, your light and your bills are going to be on as long as this exists, but do what you can in your power to like pay bills where you can and apply for as many like assistance grants and aid as you can. Well, you talked about this a bit in our pre-call, how there are these resources and you're helping guide them through it. And part of the reason you're having to step in, aside from the fact that maybe they don't have access to a computer or reliable internet, uh, you talked about how a lot of these people in your program are new to the restaurant and culinary industry and how they're not tapped into the culinary and hospitality community yet. Not that they're being rejected necessarily. They're just, they're newcomers. They're not fully versed. They don't know where to look or who to talk to. Uh, could you talk a bit about that problem and ways you've been addressing it? Like most turning tables grads have had like a little bit of a background in hospitality because it's a little bit more of an advanced of a class. So you do have to know somewhat have restaurant chops and I think the biggest thing is what I've seen is the the turning tables is a part of the beverage community. So a lot of brands are doing things across the board. So like Campari, For One, uh, Patron. There's a lot of brands that just have like programming, mental health resources, and like provide opportunities where if you guest bartend, you'll get like $200, $75 guest certificate. So people are pretty awesome in that sense. I think across the board, other areas of hospitality, I don't think those things exist as much unless through a grant. There's not like, you know, as much like if you're a chef, like teach me how to make this at home and I'll put something in your Venmo unless, you know, you're that like much of an entrepreneur um, or someone gives you a platform to do so. Same thing with servers, you know, servers probably don't have as many opportunities to kind of um, do anything that's related to hospitality that they can provide a like tutorial on in the same way bartenders can. So in that sense, I recently got asked by a few people if anybody within my pool like what is interested in, you know, like a guest bartending shift or, you know, these opportunities where they can get like a little bit of income coming in. But like I said, you nailed it. Like it's, it's a little bit harder coming in. You're not tapped into as much into the industry but the way that I ran this course was a godsend because a lot of people ask about them on a regular basis. They're just like, you know, and by name, you know, how is that person doing? How is this person doing? We are fortunate in that respect. And I know, like, you know, it takes a village. So being connected to Liberty's Kitchen has been great. I think we tackled food insecurity, but now, you know, May 1st is coming up. So the next thing up on, like, you know, like if, if someone was not successful in applying for unemployment, you know, just making sure that they got their rent paid or that they paid their taxes last year so they can at least get a little bit of this government stimulus or kind of like tapping them into the ways that you can still get the stimulus without having paid your taxes. You know, anything I can do to, to help make sure that everyone's at least has like shelter. One of my students, one of my former students is homeless and so and without a phone so a little bit harder to keep track of that person. Mm. You know, for the most part, most people seem to be in a good place. And well, I guess I'd kind of like to turn to something you mentioned earlier. And I feel like this is probably gonna be the real meat of what we're talking about here is you talked about food insecurity, uncertainty about their professional career, mental wellness, right? It, it's not just the employment and income, but it's also about all these other elements. I mean, how do you just take care of yourself, especially when you're already in a precarious position. Your nonprofit seems to, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, caters towards at risk, right? It's people who might need a leg up and now they've got no work opportunities. As you said, less that they're not plugged in to the community and more that the beverage and more food side of things have different opportunities. So it just sounds like there's a lot to navigate and then there's all these personal things they have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like right now, you know, a few of them are not doing so well um, mentally. 
I think in isolation. I think in that sense, I try to call on a regular basis and a lot of the steam behind uh, one thing I'm working on is, is due in part to like, you know, like I have my days when I don't do so well myself. So through self-care of myself, I think I can be tapping into these resources. I can help tap them into these other resources and kind of like, you know, a lot of the, the taboo of, for, for people of color and, and um, in general is most people do not seek mental health and especially black men. So, so a lot of what I do is just try to connect with them on a common level as much as possible. And then especially in the women in my class, especially just making sure, you know, one's a single mother, another one had just newly signed an apartment lease. So like I said, just helping them where I can and just making sure that like, you know, when I have conversations with them without being like, are you good? But just like making sure that like, if they're not good, that I can put them in a position or tap them into a resource navigator that will get them at least someone to talk to or help them in that capacity. So what are some of these resources? I mean, what are you tapping into for mental wellness for yourself, for the people you're working with? So there's a great organization called 504 Health Net. You may or may not have seen me on bus stops throughout the city, and that's part of the 504 Health Net initiative. So they're a healthcare navigator. So they provide, at the least, help people sign up for Medicaid. Once you sign up for Medicaid, you enter the realm where you could tap into like sliding scale clinicians. If you're not comfortable with one-on-one therapy at this point, um, there's a lot of group therapy sessions that are online, such as um, there's a group called Making Connections. They do a weekly check-in on Tuesdays. And there's a few like weekly check-ins and group therapy that I've seen pop up. Tales of the Cocktail has one today, I think, at 3 o'clock. So you're seeing a lot more of that and just making sure people are aware of those kind of like group settings where people are just like talking these things out. And that's essentially like a gateway to getting one-on-one help, I think, for most people. Um, there's also We Help NOLA. We Help NOLA, great organization as well. And um, they work with restaurants to give people access to clinicians within their platform, as well as a lot of like wellness initiatives like, you know, Magnolia, Yoga, um, Dancing Grounds, just, just all around, all encompassing kind of mental health and wellness initiative. But they were in partnerships with restaurants. Like, as we said, now a lot of things are kind of like blurry. They were accepting donations as well to provide pre-healthcare, pre-clinical um, help for people that needed it throughout this time. So there's We Help NOLA, Making Connections, 504 Health Net as a navigator, and amongst other people that I know that are like individual resources, which I can all, t- like, I can all email to you after this. Um, Liberty's Kitchen on their page has an excellent list of resources that they tap their youth into that has like a lot of information about all of that. That would be great. We can put it in the show notes for everybody. Yeah, yeah, I can send you that right away. It's like, it's pretty on point, I would say. My friend Jess Young put it together and she's pretty thorough. Her and that team there is just like doing great work and they need a lot of help as well just to like keep the lights on and just to stay employed through all this because we, we don't know, like as it gets into July and August, like, you know, where money is coming from to to like kind of keep the lights on. So I like work with them, for instance, on um, some things that they do like in-house and trying to like navigate, trying to do that virtually as one step to try to like raise money and raise funds. There's also Culture Aid NOLA. They do a lot of food uh, distribution at like food pantries. There's a fair amount of restaurants to give away family meal on certain days, like family meal, if you're not familiar and I haven't been in a restaurant, is 
something most people in restaurants look forward to. It's it's something that's not like a given, but usually in most restaurants, as a as a layup before you start your service, you usually are tapped into some sort of meal in some capacity. And so I think a lot of people are bridging the gap for that. So I've seen a few people put a calendar together of the different restaurants. Um, to name a few, I know Koshan, Blue Oak, Tubes Meadery are a few that have been consistently doing it since the beginning. Uh, some of the restaurants I have worked at in the past are doing, you know, providing this for their own staff. You know, I know Coquette is doing it for their own staff and a, a number of different restaurants are doing that as well. So wherever I see those kinds of free meals, tapping into that. As far as the general public, Greater New Orleans Caring Collective serves, like yesterday, I think they delivered like up to like 800 meals across the city or something like that from Second Harvest. So it's a pretty well-oiled machine. They have their own warehouse now, I think, that got donated. So, you know, it's usually a canned produce and goods. There's a system of different neighborhood coordinators that will just kind of reach out to volunteers for anything from laundry to school meals to, you know, like this morning, one of my people in my community was like, yo, this, this, this box is great. I need some meat though. I need some meat, my man. I was like, all right, I got you. <laughs> like go to the, go to the grocery store. And then also part of that is just like, you know, um, I think in the beginning of this, it was a little bit chaotic and everyone had like more needs. Now things have kind of mellowed out. People have food, people have shelter um, in most cases. So um, a part of it is also just kind of like checking in with um, the community. Just like, you know, there's a lot of death that's happened, especially in the African-American community. So I think now our next thing is also focusing on mental health there, like with a, like a death doula or just like, you know, these, these check-ins to see if they need anything are also kind of to bridge the gap to, to see like, you know, a, a lot of them are lonely and in isolation. So sometimes I'll call, and, you know, like as they've gotten to know me more and more, just kind of stay on the phone a little bit longer, joke around with me. And so kind of like build a relationship with people and try to send the same volunteers so they have consistent people that are kind of checking in on them. So that's that's one thing um, that I've been kind of working on. And as a part of the mental health initiative with the organizations I mentioned, 504 HealthNet and, you know, We Help NOLA. I'm also working with the city and a few other clinicians and different uh, mental health departments to create like a four-tier, five-tier system that includes a community check-in along with, you know, services that people can tap into that's going to be happening really soon. That's exciting, man. Thank you so much for all the hard work. We really do appreciate it. No doubt, no doubt. Where do we go from here? I mean, what do you recommend to people who are listening, to be honest? I feel like I need to phrase it a little differently here because most of these conversations so far have been restaurants and different event groups, but your mission seems very focused on individuals, right? You're, you're less focused on keeping your doors open or how to reopen thoughtfully, how to rethink your business. You're more like, how do we keep caring for the people that may fall through the cracks. I mean, what would you say to people who are maybe struggling with mental wellness right now or maybe have food insecurity as well? I would say the community has been really kind in, a, in an amazing way of late. And not just, I spoke specifically about at-risk communities or communities where there was food insecurity or issues with mental health and housing, but working in restaurants and bars, a lot of those people checked in on me personally. So I think it's it's great for the rest of the community to feel that this is just as important to to do these check-ins with your favorite bartender or your favorite server or people that have impacted you in such a tremendous way, and not just by bringing food to your table. 
I, I can think of, you know, when I was a server, I got invited to weddings. I got invited to celebrations all across the board and became friends with a lot of those people. I think your goal for some people is just a job, is just a job. But like me as a career hospitality person, you know, I'm invested in the people that I'm serving. And so I would hope that on the other end, you know, people see it in the same way. They want these restaurants to come back and they want them to come back stronger than ever. I think right now, just pay attention to these, like these bills that are happening and how they're trying to like pass through things on the, on the fly under the disguise of other things and focus on the bills that support small businesses. I think a lot of these grants that went out, um, went out to like larger businesses that didn't really need it. The small businesses still need to be supported. Yeah. A lot of the stuff that's been coming out seems to be calling a lot of the execution into question. Yeah. I mean, I think the small businesses need help, obviously and clearly, I think. But also, I think this is a great moment for us all to kind of rethink restaurants and how we like execute hospitality and just looking to farmers, looking to not just the servers, like farmers are taking a huge blow right now. Just thinking of ways you can support farmers and other people surrounding hospitality and thinking about like, for instance, you know, when this is all done, who is losing out as well? Like I can't get my hair cut. My barber can't cut my hair, but those people are losing out too. Those people that have are essential services, but like, you know, as a result of everything that's happening, you can't provide them with income. So very like calculatedly thinking about how you support people and what businesses you support. There's certain businesses that I think are going to be okay. But for instance, like I think a lot of black owned businesses might suffer bars that were already about to close or not as supported as like, you know, like I said, like a Coquette or a Koshan or these visible people that have the social media to like stay present in people's eyes. I think we need to go back to thinking of ways that we can make this all encompassing for everyone in the community and how can we support everyone. If you don't mind me kind of going down a more kind of charged question here, if it's not targeting you in any way, just you don't have to go down this road if you don't want to, so we can cut this. But I was just curious, what do you think are some of the unique challenges that Black-owned businesses are facing in the current climate? I don't know if you read the New York Times article um, where Kissimu Harris, uh, I believe his last name is. It's a, I think it's an article called Last Call. So he focused on traditional Black-owned bars and kind of like their demise. Part of it is like some of them want to sell, but also some of them don't have, you know, like landlords that want to keep them there or keep them in place. It's a really interesting overall topic, but like a lot of black owned businesses in general, someone said something very interesting the other day, which is, you know, when people go to black owned businesses, when you see a Yelp, it's usually for something negative. So just trying to put like positive light towards black owned bars will be something very helpful. But like Dookie Chase, for instance, right now, which is a staple, I assume that the community is going to see if that's like something that's super valid and needs to exist and needs to be here. But, you know, something like a new business like Murrow's, for instance, I'm not sure how they're navigating this. I don't, I don't know if they're doing like takeout or delivery, but like Munch Factory is, for instance. And so like just um, making sure that those people are in the game as much as possible. I think it's just, I think black owned businesses have a big hurdle but just as much as any small business, the biggest challenge is going to be having people not worked for a long period of time that are like the bread and butter of people who support them. So I guess coming up with different ways to put their product out, I think a lot of people have to innovate while they're at home so that when they open the doors, like they have different systems that have adapted to 
what's happening, changing the changing times. I think take take a page from like all these people that are adapting to what's happening. These restaurants right now that are doing things with rice and beans and doing delivery, I think like their flow is that they've kind of like stayed with the current of what's happening so that like when it when they have to reopen, there's not going to be ha- much that they have to do. I think black businesses have to think with that same mentality and where they can serve their community as well. Tere, is there anything else you want to hit? Is there any uh, other subjects or topics we haven't covered that you'd like to mention? Sure, people are tired of... (laughs) (laughs) You're totally fine, man. I think this is all interesting. I mean, well, it's nice. I like this conversation a lot because while it's less like we're a bar and we have issues with being able to have a value add outside of the space, you are with organizations that are helping people, again, uh, the at-risk community, people who, who need help with job placement, who need help with new skills, with, you know, advancing and moving forward. And this has kind of thrown a lot of that into question and made things that it didn't necessarily create new problems. It's definitely digging up a lot of existing problems. And I think that, yeah, what I think you're focused on is how do we move intelligently? I mean, how do we, as the, as the kind of show's tagline is, how do we chart a new path forward in the wake of COVID? How do we take these lessons? And I, I just, I really kind of appreciate the breadth of what you're working on just down to the fact that we had to push our recording back half an hour because you were out personally delivering food to people. <laughs> I think that's incredible. So thank you, man. Uh, we, we really appreciate all you're doing. Uh, I appreciate you for having me on and you know, anything I can do to help to get, uh, I mean, this, this, the conversation doesn't stop here. You know, there's a lot no. of people that are like willing to, to have it. And I think, you know, constructively together, we can all come up with a way to, to transition into the, this new world and what's happening now. I know like a lot of things that are happening with Oyster Sunday or, incredible that I'm, I'm grateful that that resource is there mm-hmm. you know i think i'm thinking the outlook of more of the positive than the negative on the other side of this i think it's just um phoenix rising from a flame so to speak <laughs> well i'm sure you'll be helping all of us achieve that so without further ado give us those shameless plugs where can we find you where can we find turning tables how can we <laughs> what where, where are you at you can find me in my house right now, but <laughs> <laughs> but, generally, but generally speaking, both of the bars that I work at uh, while we are in furlough are still, you know, I think uh, Galaxy Galaxy right now, where I bartend, is um, still doing delivery, and they're also participating in rice and beans, so support that business for sure. Domino, as with Twelve Mile, owned by uh, Cole Newton, they're doing you know gift certificates and you know selling wine and beer and doing different things where they can to help the staff. Um, I don't know if you've uh, had a chance literally about an hour before we started recording, I released the episode with Cole. Oh, cool. right. <laughs> it literally Cole, just Cole. came out. <laughs> yeah. Cole, Cole is in a, Cole is in an interesting position because he's a national figure, but he's also having to you know deal with like his restaurants on the local level. One more plug. I would say Labor Day's kitchen right now, go to their website, donate, Especially uh, in the in the comments, put top box twenty five dollars provides a family with food for up to a week with fresh produce and vegetables and um, fruit. Also, donation to Liberty's Kitchen will help keep the lights on over there and you know help the staff that's been providing resources for people throughout with their jobs on the other end of this. Greater New Orleans Caring Collective, another one that I volunteer with currently, show them love so that they can keep doing things that they're doing right now. We help Noah. 504 HealthNet. These are all 
amazing, great organizations that need public support. And stay tuned. You know, I'm working on something that, like, I'm not sure I'm at liberty to release yet. But, you know, it's, <laughs> like I said, it's featuring around, like, a lot of, centered around, like, a lot of mental health that we've been talking about throughout the show. So I will make sure that you are aware. You can find us on Instagram. It's Turning Tables NOLA on Instagram. Currently going to be working on the, the website, which should be, you know, good to go at the end of this. But right now, it's just primarily Instagram with updates so far. Thank you so much, Tere. This was so much fun having you on. I really look forward to talking to you more and finding out about this new project. Please share that with us when it's ready. We definitely want to get the word out. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I look forward to telling you about it. It's going to be fun. It's a lot of good stuff and a lot of things that I think will help the community. So it's going to be a win-win all around. Well, thank you so much. You have a good one. You too. Thank you so much for listening to We'll Be Right Back, The Future of Hospitality. Each episode, we will be highlighting a different organization contributing to the relief effort here in New Orleans. This episode, we would like to highlight Chef's Brigade. Chef's Brigade is a collection of New Orleans restaurants, chefs, and servers feeding healthcare workers and first responders while financially supporting our independent restaurants, culinary talent, and service industry. To contribute to the cause and learn about this amazing initiative, head to chefsbrigadenola.org. We have a link in the show notes. Again, that's chefsbrigadenola.org. We'll Be Right Back is produced by me, Greg Tilton. My co-producers are Barry Schwartz of My House Events and Elizabeth Tilton of Oyster Sunday. Barry and Elizabeth are offering incredible resources and services during this time through their New Orleans-based businesses, as well as collecting and sharing various initiatives by other individuals and organizations. All of these are linked in the show description, so please make sure to check them out. You can follow us on Twitter for the latest updates and to let us know what's up, at RightBackNola. Please also consider leaving a review for us on whatever podcast platform you fancy. It helps us know what you think, and it helps people find the show. Our cover art was created by Eugenie McClellan. Our show's music was produced by Sarisu. We have links to their work in the show notes, so give them some love. 